Our first of two Old Testament readings today comes from Psalm 15, and it can be found on page 853 of your Pew Bible. Friends, let us listen for what God is saying to the church. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He who is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today we continue in the sermon series we began last week that we are calling Back to School. This is the time of year, every year, when students of all ages typically head back to the classroom. And as any teacher here especially will attest, you often end up spending the first days, maybe the first few weeks, going back and relearning some of those lessons that perhaps lapsed over the summertime. Well, the same is true in our faith journeys. From time to time, it is helpful for all of us to go back to the classroom, so to speak, to remind ourselves of some of those people and places and events that are foundational to our faith in Jesus Christ. We began last week with the story of the Exodus, the story of Moses leading the Israelite people out of bondage in Egypt and into the wilderness and eventually on to the promised land. We sat, sat rather at 30,000 feet and took in the entire view of that story and noticed how it is a story that reminds us that even when we cannot see it, God is always bending us toward life. If last week we were way up high at 30,000 feet, this week we get down in the weeds. This week we visit with the prophets, those who, as we just talked about with the children, are ones with courage, ones who are called to proclaim God's word when God's word is not always what the recipient wants to hear. So let us listen once more for a word from God as we visit with the prophet Micah, reading from the sixth chapter of Micah, beginning with the first verse. The prophet speaks, saying, Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains, let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people, he is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you, the Lord asks. How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. 
My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, send your spirit now that it would open our souls as well as our eyes to see the future that you are leading us towards. O God, give us that prophetic imagination that we might know and trust that in all things you are the one who is bending us ever and always towards justice, towards humility, towards mercy, and towards life. Indeed, O God, we pray that your spirit would draw near now, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of All of our hearts gathered here in your sight would be pleasing and glorifying to you. For you and you alone, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I think most of us would say that we are often tempted to detour around the biblical prophets. Right? Even if we know their names, they often appear to us as being these almost larger-than-life figures. These people who speak truth to power even when that act may seal their fates. Right? They are these people in the Bible who cry out for justice for entire groups who are oppressed. They are ones who lift up the lowly and lay low the mighty. The prophets are one, in other words, who have an awfully big task on their hands. And yet what's interesting when you actually go and study their stories more closely, what you discover is that they are, in fact, like us. They're ordinary people. Amos, a shepherd, One who apparently as a side gig also tended to sycamore fig trees. Micah, from whom our verses are drawn today, was a country boy from a small rural town in Judah. Jeremiah likewise grew up in a small village just outside Jerusalem. Elisha was a farmer. He's literally called to prophetic ministry while he was there behind a pair of oxen plowing his field. Even years later, when another prophet, one named Jesus, comes along, we are struck by the fact that here again is a common person. 
peasant, a son of a carpenter, a man from a backwater town called Nazareth. The prophets in the Bible are ordinary people. They're ordinary people, though, who live with this extraordinary faithfulness. There is this misperception I think people often have that prophets in the Bible are fortune tellers or future predictors. Again, when you study their stories, what you find is that that could not be further from the truth. In fact, the prophets are firmly rooted in the present. They are these men and women who see the world for exactly what it is, which is one big hot mess. They see the world for what it is. And then they point to where God is at work nonetheless. They are not fortune tellers or future predictors, but rather these people who live with a vision of what God's future is is intended to be like. But still I know the prophets can feel unrelatable to our daily lives. Right? When was the last time any of us heard God's voice from on high calling us in a crisp, clear voice to a prophetic ministry? And even if we have heard that voice, rather, how many among us will leave here today willing to trade in our suits for sackcloth and our homes for hovels? And even if we were so inclined to do both of those things, the question still remains, where would you even begin? The sheer volume of hurt and injustice and problems and pain in our world borders on overwhelming. How will anything that we could do or say possibly amount to being more than a drop in the bucket? My wife Erin sent me this article on Friday that was written by a Lutheran pastor who was remembering the very first apartment she ever lived in. It was an old apartment in an old building with super sketchy wiring, how she recalls. So sketchy that if she had the wild idea of, say, blow-drying her hair while watching TV, it would always overwhelm the system and trip the breaker. So many visits, she remembers, to that electric panel right next to the refrigerator to flip the switch back. Anyway, she writes in this article about how she had been spending a lot of time lately thinking about that first apartment. Thinking about it because we are all living in this time when we are deluged with images and words and stories of all the problems in our world. And I don't know about you, but it has oftentimes lately overwhelmed my system. I've just had to switch it off. See, what I appreciated most about her writing, though, was that she points out that, you know, our psyches, literally how we are built as human beings, were not designed to hold and feel and respond to everything that is coming at us right now. Every tragedy, every injustice, every sorrow, 
every natural disaster that is happening to every human across the entire planet in real time, every minute of every day. She says, you know, the human heart and the human spirit was instead developed and designed to only be able to hold and feel and respond to those things that are happening in our village. I thought that was really interesting. It's a really new thing for us to be able to know instantly what is happening in any corner of creation. We are literally built, created by God with a village in mind. Right? She says, if your circuits are overwhelmed, there's a reason. And the reason isn't because you are heartless. It's because there is not a human heart on this planet that can possibly bear all of what is happening right now. Does that resonate with anyone else? She says, you see, the problem, the problem with trying to take it all on every day is that no matter what we do or say, we will still feel like it is never enough because it's not. And yet at the same time, doing nothing is not an option either, is it? She shares three questions that she asks herself every morning when she wakes up and looks in the mirror. The first question is, what is mine to do today and what is not mine to do today? The second is, what is mine to say today and what is not mine to say today? And the third is, what is mine to care about today? And what is not mine to care about today? She's trying to differentiate between village and world. There's no way we can care and say and do everything. So what is ours? What are the things in our villages that we are called to care about and speak to and do in God's name? As I read, I thought, you know, there's a fourth question I think we could add to that list. What is ours to prophesy to today? And what is not ours to prophesy to? It strikes me that not a single prophet in all the Bible has ever been called to take it all on. If you go and actually count them up, different translations, you'll get different numbers. But there's basically 68 people who are referred to by name in the Bible as being prophets. There's another 15 who are referred to as having prophetic experiences. And then there's this whole host of unnamed prophets, right? They span centuries and places and cultures. Each of them has a particular village that they are called to. And that includes our reading today, Micah. Micah only prophesied for about 50 years, about 700 years before the time of Christ. He prophesied to specific rulers in his time and place and to a specific issue where the wealthy were oppressing the poor. So where is our village? Where is your village that you are being called to live with extraordinary faithfulness? in these days, right? What power that can you speak truth to in your life today? What situation where someone is being mistreated, be it a bully at school 
or a bully in power? What situation can you speak up for? Where is someone who is low in your life that you can lift up? And where is someone who is perhaps too high and mighty that needs being brought down? Where can you, where can we together see through the messed up reality of our world and work for a different future? One that is rooted more in justice and mercy and humility. Maybe it's something big. Maybe you're called to be a prophet in these days to some big issue playing out in our culture and time. Maybe you're someone who is called to stand up and advocate for the better treatment of immigrants in our own state. Just down the road in Folkestone is a detention center where there are brothers and sisters in Christ who need a face and a presence and a voice to come and sit with them and remind them that they are not alone. Or maybe in the wake of this last week, you are someone who is called to help welcome refugees, refugees that are always streaming into our nation, but especially now from places like Afghanistan, just up the road in Savannah, Lutheran Refugee Services. Would love to hear from you. Maybe you're someone who is called to work for change in the ways that climate change is affecting our coastal community. Maybe it's something big, but maybe something too, it's something small. Maybe you are called to be a prophet by showing kindness to one of our overworked servers in this community. Or maybe you are a teacher who is called to help address the underlying needs of one of your students who is struggling in your classroom. Or maybe you are a neighbor who sees conflict among those in your life. And you are called to be one who works for reconciliation through relationship. Where are you? Where are we, ordinary people, called to live with extraordinary faithfulness in these times? You all know the name Clarence Jordan? Clarence was a prophet, a prophet right here in South Georgia. He started an intentional Christian community in 1940, right outside Americus, Georgia, called the Quinonia Farm. This was a farm that sought to bring together poor people, both white and black, to live and work side by side. It was an amazing experiment, one that in fact continues to this day, but as you can imagine, 1940s, it wasn't received well by all of their neighbors there in Americus. They were harassed for years and years until finally in 1954, the Klan came, they burned everything to the ground one night. Everything but Clarence's home. Crops, buildings, they burned it all down. The next day, a reporter from Americas came to visit the farm. It was a person, a voice rather, that Clarence had recognized the night before in a different garb from when the Klan came. And the reporter said to Clarence, real shame what happened to your farm. What are you going to do now? And there was Clarence out in the field, hoeing, planting seeds. 
Clarence ignored him for a little while. Guy kept going. Clarence, you got two PhDs. Look at everything now. Not too successful, are you? The story goes that Clarence stopped his hoeing for a moment and he looked that man in the eye and he said, you don't get us, do you, sir? You see, we Christians, we're not about success. We're about faithfulness. We're not about success. We're about faithfulness. The world today needs more prophets. Ordinary people with names like Clarence and Nancy and Susan and Bob. Ordinary people who live with extraordinary faithfulness. People who will look to the future even when the world around them has literally been burnt to the ground. Who will look to the future nonetheless and seek to live the answer to the only question that has ever really mattered to any prophet down through the ages. What does the Lord require of you to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. Friends, each of us are going to walk out of here today into a world that is still a mess, into a world where there is still more uncertainty than certainty, I think it's fair to say. God's not going to send us empty-handed, though. In each of our hands, God is sending us out into that field with a hoe, inviting us to begin the work of tilling that ground and planting a seed. One time, one breath, one moment at a time. A seed of kindness. A seed of mercy. A seed. May we be prophets for this time, for this place, for this day, and for this village. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.